This is episode 25 of the Chicken Charge podcast with CEO of All-in-One Security, Mary Parker. Today's guest is Michael Smalls. An Army veteran, Smalls is an accomplished broadcasting and communications expert. Working with the Atlanta Olympic Broadcasting Group, Smalls is a well-known quantity in sports broadcasting. Jumping into the deep end of the world of production, Smalls is highlighting his passion for helping veterans who suffer from trauma of PTSD within his new television pilot, Deep Cover in New Asia. Welcome to the Chicken Charge. All-in-One Security CEO Mary Parker celebrates the success of women in the world of business and in life. Mary's own humble beginnings in rural Mississippi led her to become one of the only African-American females running a multi-million dollar security firm. She is definitely the chicken charge. Here now is Mary Parker. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Mary Parker with the Chick in Charge podcast, along with my co-host, Ms. Sarah Smith with Solution Roads, and our sound tech, we can't do without Port Wilson. He likes to be called engineer, he told engineer, me. Engineer, sound engineer, got that. Yeah. And then, of course, we have our <laughs> special guest this afternoon, Oop. Michael Smalls. And we're so excited to see you, Michael. And I know you have so much information to share with our listening audience, and I'm so interested in hearing your story. So we're going to get started with you. Tell our listening audience who you are and what we're talking about with you today. Good afternoon. Once of all, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Michael Smalls, and I'm here to talk about Deep Cover and New Asia 2020. It's my pet TV series project. Yeah. Cool. Uh, basically targeted towards military veterans and their families, spouses, and their children discussing topics of PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder, and TBI, traumatic brain injury. Michael, I applaud you for bringing that awareness, because that is certainly something that we, as a community, need to understand better as well. So what is PTSD? PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I actually wish I could change that last letter, a disorder. It's, I'd like to say, a temporary condition. Post-traumatic stress disorder has gained a lot of uh, notoriety, I should say, or or populated in the last 10 or 15 years since we moved into uh, Saudi Arabia, Desert Storm, the Gulf War, Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, what it pertains to our veterans, men and women, increasingly more women, coming back with the effects of battle. Um, Back in the World War II, it was called being shell-shocked. No one knew what it was, but it now accounts for feelings of anxiety, depression, uh, loneliness, helplessness um, after you've been in a combat situation or a traumatic event. In Afghanistan, we got introduced to IEDs, mm. improvised explosive devices. And so this caused a whole new layer of shock and awe. It's just a one-time thing. You would be literally only one day in country or two days in country, and you know this big explosion would occur. And it was just horrific. And it, 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 it's latent. You, you may finish your tour. You may finish the next year in Afghanistan, and it may not appear or show itself until you're home for like two or three months. So, How, do you, how does it manifest itself when it does rear its head? You know, uh, there's triggers. Um, and I have to, it takes me to why I started this project. My best Very friend. Great. Um, 
he, he joined ROTC because of me, Reserve Officer Training Corps. I did it in college, got my second lieutenant right out of college. He joined because of me. We did active duty around the same time. He basically left active duty after eight and a half years like I did. We both went right into the reserves. I here in Georgia, he in another state. He gets sent to Iraq, and uh, a, the, the person he replaced was killed, and he did his tour. He got home. The person that replaced him got killed. The news, when he got the news of, of that, that officer getting killed, that's what triggered it. Wow. And uh, his, his family uh, did not know what to do. They didn't recognize it because, you know, we had not behaved this way. It, yeah. was, it was all those symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorders that happened. So there's triggers uh, that hide themselves. And sometimes it just takes an event or it could be just being alone for too long after you've gotten back and not having interaction and not being reintegrated into the community. And then these thoughts come and that's also a trigger. Right, wow. And so your, pro your uh, television series, Deep Cover in New Asia. Yes. It's gonna, it's gonna educate us. Yes, that, wow. is, that is the main, main goal, to really have someone walk away, um, the, the veteran, the wife, the spouse, and the children, and the extended family, um, walking away with information, but really, really getting empowered, getting yes. recharged, uh, feeling they belong again, reintegrated. Because the series, I'll just tell you a little Please. bit. Yeah. It's it's all it's fictional, but it's my wheelhouse. I am an actor, mm -hmm. and so the series was developed. Uh, like the Born Identity meets uh, the unit. These are shows that we're on, and you know now we have SEAL Team on. But basically, there's operatives that live overseas. It's in the future. They fight terrorism and tyranny, tyranny worldwide. But they have PTSD. They're all 20-year or plus vets, Rangers, Delta Force, Navy SEALs, and Special Ops. They've done their time, but they've been called back because tyranny is at a whole new level. We don't have the G8 or anymore. We have the G20, and so the world is just in a different place. Um, it's to show that you can still perform, you can still operate at a really high level with this disorder. So within the series, I have a military doc from the VA come to that wherever they question. are and interview them and make sure they're on their 12-step program. Yeah. And, um, you know, they've got to hit quarterly evaluation marks to remain in the game. And so the biggest thing, the biggest um negative about uh, the post-traumatic stress disorder as it pertains to military veterans is that they do not report it to their command because it is seen as it's just it's a negative stigma. Something wrong, yes. And I've had, of course, you know, dealing here uh, with all-in-one security, and we actually recruit uh, vets as well. Thank you. I've seen some of that. And I don't have, I'm a family of mostly women, so we don't have that close experience with um, um, returning soldiers but I do have a nephew two of them actually one I've been able to identify it but the other one I haven't I know it's there okay but I haven't been able to identify it the one nephew he's a lot like me and we're very close so I he's shared a lot of this and you know I just believe somewhere as the government recruit and bring our young men into the armed forces. There is something that needs to be happening with these families that they're returning back to. Absolutely. Because that's Absolutely. not who went into the military. Exactly. 
uh, excuse me, that's not who's returned. The person who went in, it's not the same person coming back. So again, thank you for that. And so um, what are you involved in? Why are you? We've answered that. We know why you're doing it. And if you look back on this project from 10 years into the future, what will be accomplished? Lives were saved. I know that sounds grandiose, maybe overreaching, but literally as the t statistics came out in, well, they were 2013, 2014, that 22 veterans per year or per day were taking their lives. That shocked That's a lot huge. of people. That's huge. So if this series, Deep Cover in New Asia 2020, can reduce that amount, uh, I, I do have to say I'm so grateful and thankful I can pick up the phone and talk to the friend, my colleague, my fellow military um, buddy, and he'll answer the phone. Is he going to be in the show? To be determined, but <laughs> I, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's so many families and wives and sons and, 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 and moms and dads that cannot talk to their loved one anymore because they didn't get the help or, you know, didn't yeah, didn't plug in and get the sad, help. Yeah, it's a sad so that's situation. Like the, I would like to reduce, definitely eliminate the fact that a GI, who we were, you know, you're 10 feet tall when you're in basic training. You're 20 feet tall when you get on active yes. duty and you jump out of planes and then you come home and all that is gone. Yeah. And it's it's the shift that they cannot cope, get over with or navigate through. So they say, I don't want to be here, unfortunately. So, you know, for, for a family member, we are still 10 feet tall. Yeah. We remember yeah. when you went in and that's right. who we're looking to return home. Yes. What are some of the things family members can do to prepare themselves along the along the journey? Thank you. Awesome question. Educate, um, communicate, inform yourselves. Be, a, be I, I use this term all the time. Become a student of the game, and all that really means is because we have the internet, you can go online and look and do your. Don't research with the, the veteran all the time, but find find how the VA. And the other organizations that are really studying this, studying this, like Emory Healthcare, mm -hmm. find out how they say to cope with your loved one. And I want to emphasize the women that are out there that are also suffering from PTSD, um, because that is something that has not been addressed at the same level. I believe but Emory Healthcare, the VA, they have psychologists now in the last five, six years because it has become a huge issue. They're studying deeper, studying a lot more. So there are protocols, there are tactics and steps on how to. So I, I think talking, um, the movie American Sniper showed a certain way where they had vets that had come back helping other vets. Um, unfortunately, you know, that ended and something we don't want to have happen, but it continues where we want other vets, you know, being alone is the worst. You know, leaving that person to their own devices, I'm gonna leave you alone and I, you know, you probably need to be alone. No, um, engage with them. Right. I have a question. Yes. Um, why do you think people are scared to talk about this kind of stuff? And especially there's, you know, I say neglect, for lack of a better word at this moment, um, of veterans in general. How can we... First, why are they scared? Why are the veterans? Why are the no, veterans why scared? No, why are people scared to talk to veterans about this? Why are they scared to dive in? Because it's it's almost like you're a vet and you're over there. Yeah, like, um, great question, Sarah. Because people have a fear that we are going to go off. 
that we are going to maybe go ballistic. I, I have a story at Hartsfield Airport. A friend of mine was walking through, and he told me about it. He called me. He said, Smalls, you got to help me with this. I was walking by. There were a group of veterans getting ready to, to either they were coming back or deploying, and a guy's bag was kind of in the way. I asked him if I could move it, and he turned around, and he snapped, and he said, don't touch my bag. And and, and he said, is this a symptom of PTSD? I says, no, he's probably just irritated because he's been at Hartsfield <laughs> right. for a while. But people think that we may go off or uh, – get angry at you for asking us that and you'll never you know thinking will come at you and say you'll never understand don't even try to ask me that or um, we feel it is in the same realm as other mental disorders also so it's the same way we treat schizophrenia and bipolar disease or any other type of mental disorder we don't go up and would you like to talk about your mental mental disease we don't do that Um, there are, you know, partly because we we don't know how or what to say, or even if there's such a stigma, though. There's such a stigma on the vet side. I will tell you that one. If yeah, I'd like to know. Um, yeah. Well, in the military, it's very competitive. It's challenging environment. Right. Um, we, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, active and reserve, we are pretty much at strength, and that means we've got. A, a sufficient amount of men and women to be soldiers, sailors, Marines, and so forth and so on. Um, but it's still competitive to make rank, to get promoted, to okay. to rise and, and within your 20 years to come out at the top rank that you possibly can or get approved for schooling or special schools. So you have a file, and that file lives with you from the moment that you start basic training. Wow. And so if there are negative marks in that file, and unfortunately, and it should not be this way, that maybe uh, actually seeing a mental health professional during your career um, gets put in there gets put in there right uh, a commander who may not be as compassionate or discerning or understanding may say oh wow I want I'd like to consider this soldier for or this marine for a promotion however there might be something wrong right. or a screw loose that is the, the farthest thing from the truth right. And so from this, the soldier or Marines uh, or sailor side that um, it's hard for them to jump over that wall and yeah. just say, I'll just take that chance. Right. Uh, no, it's, it's like it could be a career killer. They'll think I'm not all there. They'll think I'm not competent or able right. to do my duty. Yep. So what do you say to the young person today who's interested in the armed forces? And after this question, we're going to move on because you've got such an interesting life and your story is just phenomenal. But I want to hear, what what is your advice to the young person today as it relates to armed forces? And, and thank you for that question. Th- this is my personal opinion. I would do it again. Um, I believe it is a great career, um, whatever branch of the service. I am Army. I am biased to the Army. Woo! Uh, but that was, you know, that was the <laughs> ROTC. <laughs> Yeah, you know, in, in my college, uh, that was the ROTC. But at 17 or 18, uh, you're, if you are in college or you're not in college, can we all think back? Did we, did we have a real tight grip on what we really wanted to do for the rest of our lives? And so I, I say to my daughters, grown daughters, even in the meantime, what will you do? I wanted to travel the world. I believe it's a great career because of the schooling. 
Um, you have to maintain a certain GPA when you're in college. You have to hit these educational markers. Yep. Where, where else in the this country is that mandatory after high school to, like, in college I had to hit this, and physical shape. And then I saw the world. Um, were there people saying, don't join that army? That's, right. yeah. you know, how dare you? As, as a ap- person, African-American also, it was, that's not your army and this, that, and the other. However, I had to turn off the noise. I had sure, to filter sure. and say, I'm in Seoul, Korea now. I'm 23. This is, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this great job. Yes. And, and now I'm in Latin America. And now I'm, I'm, over the, I'm overseas. Um, building character, building traits of leadership that carried on with me at Turner when Love. I went to Turner. Yep. Just where are our youth getting this? W- unless you have that family, where are young men and young women getting this less leadership? Less and less all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Accountability, compassion. So I ask him this question because we have the Mary Parker Foundation. And next Saturday, we're going to be hosting about 400 young people, some of which are college, many awesome. are high school. Um and I never talked to them about the armed forces as an alternative. However, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, had I not become pregnant my senior year, I was going to the Air Force. Hoo-ah. I was going to the Air Force. Hey. Um, and <laughs> hey, I still hi. love men and women in uniform. Yeah. That commitment yeah. to stand for something is so important to me and it's very, very encouraging. So I would like to talk to you a little bit more offline about Yes information sharing with the young people. I have so much to say. (laughs) Okay, very, 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 yes, I I, I definitely want to talk more with you about that. Now, you've worked with every major network in your career. I have, actually. Uh, You worked on communications during the Olympics. How did you prepare yourself for all these things you're doing now? all the things you've done and the things you're doing now as a broadcaster and and the likes? Lessons, well, beginning with family. Family was key. Um, I have to really, my my mother and my father and my grandparents, um, instilling a foundation um, to actually listen. Um, We have a a saying in my family, we're West Indian, hard-headed. And so don't be hard-headed if you're (laughs) hard-headed. I, I um, sought advice along the way a lot, um, and then um, I'm in athletics. I started martial arts at a very young age, and so these lessons, and uh, you have an instructor when you're 11 in Shotokan karate and then in taekwondo, and then you go in the military. So I think I, I, I know um, listening to mentors, seeking mentorship, seeking advice, um, when I left active duty, I was in. Gra- I went to military-funded grad school and flew here to interview Billy Payne. Oh. I didn't. I didn't get him. I got like three executives below him to at the Olympic Committee, and then three or four executives at Turner, which a friend we have a mutual friend, Jim Kitchell. Yeah, but it was just to what do I do? What would you do if you were me? I was 27 or 28 at the time. Um, I say, listen, prepare do tons of homework to get my black belt. I, I, another black belt said, you're not gonna get it, just go into class. Tons of homework, tons of extra work. Um, and to your point, working with other networks, uh, I'm the radio frequency coordinator for US Open tennis championships, US Open golf championships, the NBA, not to 
harp on. He's got on, a really shoddy not, resume. Not, but not Michael. to harp on that, but to harp <laughs> on the stories in the, in, on the train on the way to the venue yeah. from some of the championship coaches. And it was really, it went back to listening, being humble, working very, very hard, um, prepare. Uh, I think Will Smith said it. I'm not afraid that I can't learn anything in the world, like nuclear physics or engineering, um, because there's a book about it. I can always pick up a book. Right. And I don't know if you know, he turned down a full ride to MIT. Will Smith I didn't did. know that. Yeah. People, yeah, yeah. So, yeah he's very, yeah. But um, going for it, I, I think... Um, I don't want to sound so cliche, but I no, did it's it. Fine. I literally it's went for it. I was on active <clears throat> duty. I flew to Atlanta as a captain, ready to get get out of the military to interview executives in Atlanta that were. I found their names in the Wall Street Journal, literally at dinner, and reading. I did, reading. I, I yeah, um, but by no means excelled. I got turned down three times before I got hired at the Olympics. I got turned down four times before I got Scott Teisler hired me at Turner. Right. You know, so persistence. Yeah. Um, and when you get, you know, kicked down, uh, like I think Ali said it. If you know, we never got put, you know, got put down a couple times. But if you do land facing up, you know, you know which way you That's know you right. got to do. But you know, I I think that is the resiliency and you know, you know licking your wounds and getting back up. Michael and I come from Western New York. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We both come from Western New York, and I was really... Upstate, Yep, yep, upstate, Upstate which is 500 miles of New York State. (laughs) That always made me crazy. New York City's one little tiny piece. Um, What made you want to go into communications? Because that's, you know, graduating from high school, going and focusing on communications... Being, you know, uh, I'll tell you, a- military, and you know, my dad was a military guy too, and awesome. he and he, you know, ended up in radio. So he mixed the military and the communications piece. So I just wanted to hear what your story was in that perspective. Kind of twofold in a way. Uh, my dad had a shortwave radio at the house ever since I was a little kid. And he used to listen to the police <laughs> band. you liked it. You dug <laughs> yeah, it. I, I, there was a room that he had this radio. And then there was this, we call seven meter ham radio operator, two doors down. This is Schenectady, New York. Yeah. Union College. It's it's it's, wow. enge- it's an engineering because GE, it's the home yeah. of GE. So there's a lot of engineering uh, energy. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't smart enough to go to Union or anything like that or RPI. But that was... Um, my dad was into radios and gadgets. We had a CB back in the day. And Me we had, too. Yeah, CB we always radio, yep, and a handle. Yeah, and a handle, <laughs> yeah. But then when I went to undergrad, it, the other side of the brain, I guess, that talks about writing and creating and telling stories. So um, I chose communications as an undergrad, um, as a major. And so that got into journalism, and I worked at uh, – Latin American television in Rochester, New York, as an internship. Wow, Latin American television in Rochester. It was public TV, but it was a show, uh, Las Noticias de Puerto Rico. I mean, that was the name of the show. I was just assistant director. So interesting. But it was, was, um, the engineers went hardcore, like, you were a double E if you were going to be a a real engineer or uh, a mechanical engineer. So you went to Union or Rensselaer Polytechnic or MIT. I was not did not have the that side of the brain grades. <laughs> so I would say um, it was like a, a level 
a level down, I guess. When okay. I was in ROTC, they ask you what branch you want. And I said to my professor of military science, what career uh, could get me work after the military? He, he said, well, all of them, because it's about leadership. However, if you want it, you know, communications. Yeah. Great. Uh, you can... And that is literally how I chose the branch. That's excellent. That I want to be in. That's excellent. Just oh, just before Please. we wrap, just want okay. to make sure. Okay, yeah. sure. go ahead and use that. Oh, phone. okay. I, and I hope I hope I'm just you get me. Ex- it's I, fun. I, I it's fun. Wanted, no, I, lots it's, to talk about. It's just back to the PTSD. Just before we wrap, yeah. just wanted to make sure yep. that people listening knew. Uh, where to go in case they didn't. So um, for families, spouses, and even children, Emory Healthcare, I have their number here. Uh, it's um, 888-514-5345. Yeah. That is how, or emoryhealthcare.org. They have launched a PTSD TBI, which stands for Traumatic Brain Injury Program. And they exist to help. They exist it as... So you can go there, and like you had said, how do we communicate? What do we do? Mm-hmm. That's one of them. The VA, the Veterans Administration's crisis line is 1-800-273-8255. Um, actually, veteranscrisisline.net also, if you're copying or listening. But yeah. I always just like to say that. You know, it's good. And, and I, you know, I know that you um, have your pilot program on YouTube, and that you are raising funds so you can launch this yes. program. Yes. So how can people find that program and how can people who are interested in this kind of um, way of learning about PTSD potentially fund your program? Thank, great question, Sarah. Thank you very much. I have a GoFundMe. Um, the title, if you go to GoFundMe.com, is PTSD Veterans Deep Cover in New Asia. Got it. GoFundMe, PTSD Veterans Deep Cover in New Asia. Excellent. Excellent. Good. And so if anyone wanted to reach you directly, do you have a website? Or an email address that you may, well, I don't know about email, but if you want to. <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I will, don't mind. I People, will I yeah. Email. yeah, Patrick it's, it's, it's just gave it. Actually, yeah, yeah. Mike jsmalls at gmail.com. Very um, good, very good. And I, I have a phone number. I, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm open to. Um, and about your program. Where yes. can they go to view this? I know we've on YouTube. on YouTube. And when is it ready? We are working. I, I, I actually have a great. One of my mentors, Robert Townsend, if I can say oh, that. Yeah. He, I started working of with him. Of course, you can say Robert Townsend okay. on the Chick in Charge podcast. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Yes, he has encouraged me more than anyone to really. He has a saying, he says, you must give birth to this. So yeah. um, I've got to raise the money to shoot a few pilot episodes once that happens then you pitch to the network so between uh the digital platforms like hulu and netflix and cable television where sarah and i come from and network television um this will work this will fit i already know so when when it's done so um that's the process get the pilots done um we're in a great place to do it Um, i'm already a fan so we have to make this happen thank you so much thank you Okay. All right, well, Michael. this was great. I'm just today is just so empowering for me as well. So I know that our audience have gained lots of information, new territories, yes. but very very interesting. Uh, this isn't the last time we'll see you, Michael. No. Uh, we are well, definitely going to have you back on the show. We're going to do, yeah, maybe a two part because this is something that is critical to our families, our communities. 
and the livelihood of so many young men and women returning with yes. conditions unlike before yes. going in. Yeah. And, and they're we so important. Be, yeah, and we need they're to be so a part important. of the solution. And yeah. you're hiring them. I love that. Yeah, we're thank hiring you so them. much. And, yeah. Thank you for having this show. Oh, thank you for being here and for increasing the awareness. Yes. Just the tips you gave today has helped me so much. Yep. And um, Sarah, thank you. Pleasure. It's been a great day. Pleasure. And it's not over. So audience, stay tuned. Thank you. For more of the Chick in Charge podcast. Subscribe to The Chick in Charge at thechickincharge.com. Get a free download of Mary Parker's Tips for Success. Tips that'll make short work of some of today's most challenging issues facing female business owners. Thanks for listening to The Chick in Charge.